Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What up, TCK Potters? I'm your host, Sky Guasco, joined always by my man, Lucas Kaser, and you are tuned in to the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel at the Candlestick Kids, leave a rate and review anywhere you're listening to your podcast, and follow us on IG at FantasyFootball underscore TCK Pod, and on Twitter at TCK underscore Pod. We've got a lot to cover, so let's get into it. Welcome back, everybody. Sky and Lucas with you for episode 214 of the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. Happy Wednesday. Glad for you. To join us here, we are going to continue uh, kind of a new fun series we've been doing. Uh, yesterday, we went through the top eight rounds uh, with current ADP according to Fantasy Football Calculator. Now, we understand there's a lot of areas that we can do current ADP, but we chose to do Fantasy Football Calculator because it's what a lot of people use in the public. So we're going to try to stick with that and see how accurate we can get it. If you missed yesterday's episode, please go back and listen to that. But what we did was take the favorite player for each of us in each round according to the ADP. So we're not drafting a team. This is not a mock draft. We're going through each round with current ADP, and we're picking our favorite player in that particular round. We're going to do the same thing here today through rounds 9 through 16, the back ends of your drafts. We're going to start bringing in quarterbacks and tight ends, defenses, and kickers as well. So we're going to definitely expand. Uh, But before we get into that, a little bit of house cleaning. Um, you have been hearing we do have the draft guide coming out July 6th. Uh, Lucas, in just a second, I'd like you to let everybody know what's going on with how people can uh, reserve a spot for that, how they can sign up for that with the form fill. Um, but we are going to be dropping that July 6th. For those of you interested in the TCK Pod Listener League, we've been having a lot of momentum with that. We've had a lot of interest, and we appreciate people. Please hold tight with us another couple of weeks. First of all, we have plenty of time. The draft is not going to be until very late August, so we have months until that goes down. So please hold tight with us. Lucas and I have been going really hard on the draft guide, uh, so our focus is there for the next three weeks. Once it drops, we'll get into the TCK pod uh, listener league discussions. Also, final thing for me, and I'll turn it over to Lucas, we do have two opportunities still available for contributors to our draft guide. We have some articles that need to be finished up and written. Lucas and I have the content mapped out. We just basically need the bodies to help us get through the work because he and I are, you know, kind of running out of time with the next three weeks with all the uh, things that we have available to you. So the, the, a lot of the numbers have been crunched. A lot of the uh, information has been gathered up. We just need it to be produced. So if you are somebody out there that follows our content, you know how we roll analytics based. We like to, to, to bring it to you real. If you want to contribute please reach out to us, DM us, do whatever you got to do to get a hold of us. And please let us know you'd like to contribute and we will certainly be in touch. All right, man, it's a lot of house cleaning. One more item, Lucas, please let us know how uh, people can get involved with the draft guide come July 6th. Yep. So this week, or I guess yesterday, but we'll tweet the link out, put the link out and stuff. There will be a link uh, to a Google form that is basically saying what each package is, what it comes with it, what's in the draft guide. It's pretty simple. Um, so you fill that out or really just tell us, you don't really have to actually fill it out. We'll just get you down. Basically, we basically just need your email to give it to the site. Um, so this is the easiest way to do it and keep track of the numbers on how we're going to do everything. Um, so fill that out 
or uh, on Instagram, just messages saying like, can I have the link? Or because I know links on Instagram are sometimes kind of a pain in the butt to get up there. So just messages saying, can I have the link? We'll drop you the link. Or me on Twitter, et cetera. Um, they'll all be one-time payments to make it simple for you. We're going to prefer we use Venmo, Cash App, PayPal, because I think that makes it easier on you guys as well as us instead of having to set up some weird credit card thing on the form or something like that. So uh, be on the lookout for the link. We'll drop it all the way throughout the summer because the site will continue to update um, with, with the stuff we're putting in. Whatever you guys want, if you have any ideas, um, let us know and we'll get that added in there too. So just be on the lookout for the link. And if you don't see the link, just message us and we'll get in contact with you. Fantastic. Excited about it, man. There's been a lot of hard work behind the scenes. And we appreciate the contributors and everybody throwing down. And you and I have been writing a lot of articles and player bios and crunching numbers and you know spreadsheets galore. So I'm excited to, uh, excited to get to the finish line on that. All right, bro, let's get into this. We have rounds nine through 16. If you were with us last episode, you know how this goes down. Basically what we're going to do is we're going to go rounds nine through 16. Each of us are going to pick our ideal player from that particular round. Now, again, this could be based on value, talent, opportunity, whatever. This does not have to do with us mock drafting. We are not trying to mock draft the team here. So if I, by chance, pick six tight ends, then that's how it goes. Um, this is not a mock draft. This is basically running through to give you an idea of the ADP and those players going in that ADP range. Right now, these are all players, defenses and kickers included. Uh, and it gives us an opportunity to pick our favorite players in that range um, with maybe an alternate here and there. So, Lucas, without any further ado, man, let's jump into this. Round nine, I'm going to read it off really quick, and then you can go ahead and let us know who you would be picking in this area. Round nine, Jerry Judy, Jordan Howard, Josh Allen, Emmanuel Sanders, Philip Lindsay, Darius Slayton, Tevin Coleman, Carrion Johnson, Carson Wentz, San Francisco defense, the first defense in ADP coming off in the ninth round, Marvin Jones and CeeDee Lamb. Who of those players would you be picking in the ninth round? So I think I know who you're going to pick. So I'm going to, I'm going to pivot off here. I went Philip Lindsay. Um, Melvin Gordon did come in. And I think people might kind of be confused on how this is going to play out. Well, to start, Melvin Gordon is projected to miss 1.3 games, sports injury predictor, uh, a 55% chance, medium risk of missing two or more quarters in the season. Obviously, that doesn't seem like a lot. But in reality, he is a kind of injury prone. We've seen that here and there. Um, so I obviously I listen to a lot of Broncos podcasts, kind of follow that. So the way it makes it sound like it's going to play out is that Melvin Gordon's going to be the primary third down back, the primary to make it easy for people listening outside zone, stretch back. And Phil Lindsay's going to do the role he's been doing the first and second down, just getting the very nice touches uh, with the chance of exploding. He was eight or Phil Lindsay was eight in opportunities per snap last year, meaning like, Every snap he was there, the like usage he was getting. So that's not going to change because I know we talk about how his touches for opportunities per game are like 18. That obviously will come down a little bit to like 14, 15. But if he's being used every time he's on the field, that's what you want out of a really PPR running back. I know he's not catching the ball, but he can. Like James White. James White maybe plays 60% of the snaps, but every time he's out there, he's getting the ball. That's why he finishes good. So really, I think here you're getting a premier handcuff which I don't even know if he's a handcuff yet because Melvin Gordon still has to beat out the starting running back that's ran for 1,000 yards the last two seasons um, in order to be the starter. So I think it's just a good spot here to take a risk on this because I think he's probably an RB2 if he does win the job, kind of what he's shared the last couple of years. But I'd say he's a flex with high upside like we've seen. Um, but I, 
I think I know the guy you're going to touch on. I think this is a smash in this round, no matter what the, what the case may be. Well, is that guy Marvin Jones? Yeah, yeah, pretty easy pick for me. That's my man. So in, in the second, so in yesterday's episode, in the second round, I went with Kenny Galladay. Uh, there is definitely a world where I would pick both of these guys. We've talked a little bit in the last couple of weeks of would we actually pick like, uh, let's say, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett or Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley or Cooper Cup and Robert Woods. Would you would you team up those receivers, Evans and Godwin, of course. Would you actually team up those guys if you could get them in back-to-back rounds? Because we saw with Thielen and Diggs for a couple of years um, that they, they could absolutely be um, both wide receiver ones. Now, with Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay, you might be able to get <laughs> – high-end RB2 with Marvin – or wide receiver two with Marvin Jones and maybe a top-five receiver with Kenny Galladay, and you don't have to spend the first five rounds on that. I mean, we're looking at the ninth round here, Marvin Jones. Honestly, I think that's just, this is kind of high in how I've been seeing things. He falls to the 10th-plus round more often than not because people worry about the injuries, which I get it. He has been hurt in the last couple of rounds. The reality is Marvin Jones, in my opinion, is one of the best uh, number two receivers in the league um, – Last year, he played 13 games. He was on pace for 100 targets, 70 receptions, about 1,000 yards, and over nine touchdowns for the uh, second time in three years. If he's able to get 100 targets in this offense with Matt Stafford playing a full season, hopefully he gets about 80 receptions or so and doubled his touchdowns. He's going to be an, uh, a wide receiver, too, and they're getting him in the ninth round. He had at least five targets in every single game last year, and he had over 70 yards in five of his – 13 games, which I like a lot, obviously, and he's good for double-digit touchdowns any given week. So as good as Kenny Galladay is, as much as um, TJ Hawkinson, I think, is going to take a step up in year two, I just don't see, you know, Amendola taking over enough role where Marvin Jones, healthy for a full 16, can't get it done. Now, unfortunately, Marvin Jones hasn't played 16 games uh, but three times in his nine-year career. So I'm not banking on that, but even if he plays 13, 14, which he's done um, uh, over the last couple of seasons, I think he's just fine. So again, in the ninth round, when you're looking at like a fifth receiver, Marvin Jones is a steal because frankly, by mid season with an injury or two, you might be playing him as a flex or even a wide receiver two. And he's got weekly wide receiver two steady floor with wide receiver one upside in this offense. Um, who I think just got all around better this year, bringing in DeAndre Swift and everybody else. So uh, I think Marvin Jones in the ninth round is is automatic. Yeah, I mean, he finished his wide receiver 23 with 13 games played. Like, what what else do you want? And the team literally stayed – like, I know continuity is a big thing that I think we'll see this year. The team literally stayed the same besides losing one lineman and this replaced them. And they're going to have to compete with the division. We saw this last year. So, yeah, I mean, that's why I said I'll let you – have your guy here because I think this is a smash all day in this round. Let's talk about some of these other receivers really quick before we move on. So two rookie receivers, Jerry Judy and CeeDee Lamb, who I think you and I both love in dynasty and long-term. And once they get their opportunity, I think they'll both crush. But in redraft, I just don't want the headache of not knowing what's coming up. And I will take the surefire um, notability of Marvin Jones. Also, I wanted to mention quick that the San Francisco defense is the number one defense here with ADP. They're coming off the board in the ninth round. Obviously, we're not recommending that you draft a defense in the ninth round, but I just want people to understand this happens every single season. It was the Bears last year. It was the Jaguars before that, all right? It was the Vikings before that. Um, The Panthers had a run. The Niners had a run. The Seattle defense, Arizona's defense. Somebody always has that top-tier defense, and they want to jump the gun 
on that defense in the ninth round and get ahead of the curve. I'm going to wait. Now, it'll be interesting to see how we get through the next couple of rounds because I think I might end up recommending a defense before the last pick of this situation, um, which is kind of the standard play. But the de- I don't care who the defense is. Even the Patriots defense, who I'm surprised didn't go first off the board here, in the ninth round is just too early. You're still looking for uh, a fourth running back, a fourth receiver, a quarterback, a tight end. You still have um, important slots to fill where the defense is just generally not going to repeat historically year over year. So pass on the defense in the ninth, tenth round. Let's move into the tenth round, man. I'll go back around and let you kick it off here. Henry Ruggs, Tariq Cohen, Latavius Murray, Buffalo defense. Second off the board here, according to ADP in the 10th round. Matty Stafford, Jared Cook, Christian Kirk, Michael Hardman, Buffalo, uh, excuse me, Baltimore defense, Jamison Crowder, Darrell Henderson, and Justin Jefferson in the 10th round. Yep. So mine here at the 10 03 is Latavius Murray. This is strictly just, we've seen what he done, done. We've seen what he has done when Kamara is gone. Uh, fantasy RB1, I think one week for sure, two weeks. Like he's, he's just basically starting. He, he is a good pick because we've, we know what we get if Kamara goes down. Obviously, Kamara's injury, I think, might not be a big issue this year. Um, hamstring, I believe. Same thing Saquon had, and they both came back right around the same time. So I think it's not really that big of an issue. But yet again, in reality, to what you're taking later here, would you rather have Darrell Henderson or Latavius Murray as a running back? Would you rather have Jamison Crowder, and then wait and take, I don't know, Naeem Hines four rounds later, stuff like that. So, like, he's just such an elite pick here to me because this, this is, like, the what is upside. That is what is upside because you can replace your RB, I would hope, four at their low end at the 10th round with – I mean, like, you can replace him three rounds later with the guy you might actually need to play. But Latavius Murray, you can just keep on your – um, your bench the whole summer, the whole year, and he's easy trade bait too. If Kamara, does. I know last year you probably you probably could have flipped him and I don't know a receiver just to upgrade it for a team that needed to win now that had Kamara. So yeah, I think there's a lot of possibilities with Murray that you can do. In reality, when people are drafting him, they're like, I don't want the backup for the Saints. I don't want the backup for Kamara. But he he is the backup, but he is much more than that in terms of fantasy value. I actually totally agree with you. I'm going to go with Latavius Murray, as we mentioned last episode, and we talk about quite often on this podcast. You and I, of course, share documents, and we make sure we're on the same page for these podcasts, but we did not purposely share who our picks were before we got into this to see if we're on the same page. And we've been pretty different throughout the entire last episode, I'm sure the rest of this one. But this particular pick, I I also am going to pick Lat Murray. If you dial back to yesterday, I picked Alvin Kamara. Out of all the first-rounders outside of CMC and Saquon, we just took them off the board because they're automatic. Out of everybody else, I picked Alvin Kamara as my my first-round guy that I would choose. Best believe that I'm picking Latavius Murray. And in the 10th round, I don't even know that I would wait that long. If I have Alvin Kamara, I'm probably picking Latavius Murray in the 8th, ninth, depending how the rest of my team looks, just to make sure that I get him to get that handcuff. I am a drafter that with those high-profile guys who have a high-profile backup, Madison, Pollard, Murray, um, J.K. Dobbins, those are the kind of handcuffs that I do reach for, and I will pick ahead of maybe my fourth receiver because I want to make sure I get them because you need to have those running backs. To your point, Alvin Kamara missed weeks seven and eight last year. Latavius Murray was the bell cow running back for the Saints in those weeks. Latavius Murray in week seven had 32, 32 total touches 
150 total yards and two touchdowns. In week eight, he had 30 total touches, 157 yards and two touchdowns. Alvin Kamara's finished running back three, four, and 11 so far in his career. Latavius Murray's top five for sure if Alvin Kamara goes down. If I have Alvin Kamara, I'm definitely reaching. And regardless, I think, you know, Latavius Murray is one of those guys we saw two or three years ago in 2017, Mark Ingram was also uh, a uh, top running back, a top 12 running back in that offense. So Latavius Murray doesn't necessarily get the work, but in any given week, he could have 15 mm-hmm. touches, 80 yards. Um, he is faster than I think people think with his size. Um, Alvin Kamara generally gets the goal line work, but Latavius Murray could get it if Alvin Kamara goes down. I think that's a great call here in the 10th round. A couple honorable mentions in the 10th round. Justin Jefferson, I think, is really interesting as far as these wide receivers go um, with the rookies because I think he's going to slot in right away with a lot of work. So he could potentially be a nice grab there. Um, And Christian Kirk, I think, is another guy that people are kind of forgetting about because Nuke comes in. Larry Fitzgerald has the legendary uh, career, of course, but is not Larry Legend anymore. Christian Kirk, I think, could see 100 targets as well. That's great value in the 10th round. And obviously, our boy, Matty Stafford, if you're going to wait on quarterbacks, he's the man there for sure. All right, let's move into the 11th round. Zach Moss, Steelers defense. Your boy, Drew Locke. My boy, Baker Mayfield. Austin Hooper, New England defense, who was the number one defense by far last year. Michael Pittman Jr., Tony Pollard, John Brown, Noah Fant, Big Ben, and the Bears defense in the 11th round. Who you got? Yeah, it's Zach Moss for me here. Uh, I know I said Singletary just kind of scares me. Um, another teammate battle that will be a part of the draft guide. Uh, Singletary outscored Frank Gore in most points week-to-week scenarios here in therapy. Frank Gore is also 37. We should expect that. Like, to me, when I'm thinking about this, we shouldn't be scared that Zach Moss is getting a 37-year-old's workload from last year, and they made that obvious. Like, it should be – Singletary is the guy – like, we, we they, they shouldn't say – oh, Zach Moss, the guy we just drafted in the same round as we got Singletary, is going to fill in to a 37-year-old running back, veteran running back's role. Like, we shouldn't be freaking out about that because, you're like, I mean, just in reality, that's a dumb take to make and then have worry behind it. So, I think, like I said, Zach Moss will be the, he'll be the red zone back. We, I know I touched on it. Taewon Jones was running the ball in the red zone in the playoffs for the Bills. Josh Allen's Ooh. first playoff – exactly. Josh Allen's first playoff game because Devin Singletary can't do it. Zach Moss will slide into there. I think that when I think of like the Bills as a team, I think they're a team that they're not going to try and do too much. If it works, they're going to stick with it. Like the, you normally don't go into a season with a five foot eight running back at a FAU and Frank Gore and not have any warrior backup plan. Like TJ Yeldon was their backup plan. Like, come on, they, they were okay with that because they know that it can work. Zach Moss breaks off a couple of runs here and there. Yeah. Snap. I think he's the starter because he can do, he can receive the ball. He showed that to the same level of Singletary did in college against way better competition. Now you slide him into the cold in Buffalo. I think he can just, I think he's going to be a fantastic pick here. Um, Singletary, not really any injury issues, but yet again, a pick that if Singletary goes down, you're getting a 20 to 25 touch guy in the 11th round. I love it. And I'm going to make the same case for kind of a wait and see approach, but I think this guy can also maybe be the number one for his team by the end of the year. That's Michael Pittman Jr., who actually I think is starting to climb boards. Um, now, I in this in this range, I'm looking around. First of all, he's the only wide receiver outside of John Brown going in the 11th round with this current ADP. But like the quarterbacks 
I probably would have gotten a quarterback already, or I would have gone Matt Stafford. I'm not going to go Drew Locke and redraft this year. Dynasty, love him, obviously. Baker, not going to trust that. I got burned last year. Dynasty, I might be down, but no. Big Ben, he could be top five again, but I don't know if that's going to happen either. Tight ends, defenses, I'm going to punt all that stuff. Tony Pollard, unless I have Zeke, I'm going to pass on him. I do like Zach Moss, but for sake of argument, I'm going to go with Michael Pittman Jr. Now, he is already set up to line up as basically the complement to T.Y. Hilton on the outside for the Colts. They bring in Phillip Rivers, who is not the Phillip Rivers of late, but he can still fucking chuck it, more or less. He's going to. For some reason, I'm going to get to Mike Williams, spoiler alert, in a couple rounds. For some reason, everybody is hating Mike Williams and what he's done in his career, that he has a broke out in his potential. First of all, he had double-digit touchdowns in one season. He's had 1,000 yards in every other season that he's been healthy. And could Michael Pittman Jr. do that? Absolutely. I think so in this offense. T.Y. Hilton has not been as injury prone as I think everybody believes he has, but he's getting older in age. He's starting to have low, uh, lower body soft tissue injuries, which are no good. He is basically boom or bust at this point of his career. He and Andrew Luck had a very special connection. I don't think that's going to happen with no offseason for Phillip Rivers and T.Y. Hilton. So I think that everybody kind of has the same opportunity with Phillip Rivers here. And the rookie coming in, huge body, the biggest receiver that they have. Um, and in the red zone, I think this is where he's going to make his bread. Your boy Jack Doyle, which we're going to get to in a little bit as well, I think is a great red zone uh, opportunity, especially with uh, Phillip Rivers. But Michael Pittman is going to be the same guy. And currently, I mean, I've been seeing him in like the 13th, 14th rounds. So for him to be in the 11th, I think people are starting to figure it out. Now, if he moves up into the 10th, 9th round even, I probably will pass because I just don't know what's going to happen with the rookie receiver. But if he's my, what, wide receiver four or five at this point in my drafts in the 11th round, why not take the risk? Like, let's not forget, Odell Beckham as a rookie was getting picked in the 15th round. He ended up finishing as a top top end wide receiver, and he was going as a second-round pick as a sophomore. We saw DK Metcalf. A.J. Brown was getting picked off of waiver wires last year before he went off, right? I think of all these rookie receivers with the value, Michael Pittman could be that guy. And I just frankly don't think many people know about him yet. So I'm going to steal him in every single draft I can just because I'm willing to wait and see. And I don't trust, uh, trust the rest of that uh, Colts wide receiving core. So Michael Pittman in the thir- uh, 11th round, along with Zach Moss, I agree with you, I think are uh, the no-brainers for me, period. All right, let's jump into the 12th round here. Um, we have Anthony Miller, Danny Jones, Jalen Reger, Justin Jackson, Sterling Shepard. Sammy Watkins, Preston Williams, Joe Burrow, Chargers defense, Deshaun Jackson, Phillip Rivers, and Chase Edmonds in the 12th round. Yep, I got Preston Williams here at the 1207, uh, 11.4 points per game. I don't like using – I kind of came to an agreement with myself that I'm not going to use game splits when there's no good way to actually slice it. So by that, what I mean is uh, Preston Williams put Devontae Parker – like on the back burner, like you're not going to break out when he was breaking out the first eight games. Some of those games were with Josh Rosen. Some of them are Ryan Fitzpatrick. So I don't know what to do there. But then again, everyone's making this case for Devontae Parker saying like, look at his last season breakout. But, but he, Preston Williams wasn't there. There's a reason he didn't produce before that. Like you don't just like, oh, I think I'm going to play now. I'm going to decide that I'm going to break out in my fifth year and go get paid. He was trying to play good. So people are trying to use the whole – when Ryan Fitzpatrick played with both of them, like a two-game sample, Devontae Parker outscored him by three points. I'm like, okay, three total points. That's a 10-round difference – sorry, like a seven-round difference in fantasy. Like, come on. 
Um, but Chan Gailey comes in. He's going to pass the ball. To me, I'm taking Preston Williams here solely on the ADP discount. I'm just not going to take Parker because I don't know what's going to happen. There is no other receiving weapons, like straight up. Mike Gusecki, maybe give him over the middle, but he's not going to see more than, I think, 80 targets this year. And Matt Breida and Jordan Howard, people are trying to make the case that they're going to run the ball more because the running back sucked last year. Well, you're going to bank on a 4.5 yards per carry guy at, I don't know, 250 total opportunities and bang that Matt Breida to take away from that. And not to mention this team still is not that great, so they're going to be throwing the ball. So I'm just going to take the guy that was getting me 10 points week in and week out the first seven weeks in my flex spot and not worry about it, especially because he's in the 12th round. I I mean, like, okay, like Deshaun Jackson, no thank you. Sammy Watkins, no thank you. Shepard, maybe, but he's just banged up. Like, he can do that if he stayed on the field. Jalen Rager, I mean, I'm probably just going to be off rookie receivers and redraft anyways because continuity, no offseason. And I just don't – I would just rather not, I guess. And then Anthony Miller was my honorable mention. We see what he does when he's healthy. We saw that at the end of the year last year when he was pres- presumably healthy. We'll see how that plays out. But I think that Nick Foles, uh, if I'm believing in A-Rob, Dave Montgomery, Nick Foles, I got to believe in Anthony Miller too. So those are guys that they can be your wide receiver four, and you can probably have some weeks where you'll want to play them and need to play them too. And honestly, man, we're talking about the – I mean, we're in the 11th, 12th round right now. This is going to be later than your wide receiver four. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, you have 12 spots. So you have four running backs, four wide receivers, a tight end, uh, a quarterback you still have an extra running back and extra receiver. So we're talking like wide receiver, running backs, four and five, uh, maybe six, depending on how you draft at this point. So why not take the big upside? And Preston Williams, he was my pick as well, man. Um, likewise, he was my pick. And uh, through – so he got hurt in week nine. Through weeks one through nine, he and Devontae Parker were neck and neck. They were back-to-back in fantasy scoring uh, as wide receivers 36 and 37 on the year. And they had uh, pretty much – Devontae Parker had one more fantasy point, and they had pretty much the same exact average points per game at 11.5. So I totally agree with you, man. And I think that, you know, down the stretch, obviously Devontae Parker blew up because, A, he was the only weapon in the offense outside of Gasicki, and uh, they finally turned him loose, which is great. We love Devontae Parker. But you just mentioned – I'm going to find him here again. You know, we're picking him in the uh, sixth round. You know, we could potentially wait double the amount of rounds in the 12th round and maybe get, like, the other Devontae Parker uh, with the with the upside. So, I like Preston Williams here in the 12th round as well. My honorable mention, and I'm going to I'm gonna do it. I'm going to bring in the defense. My honorable mention here is the Chargers DST in the 12th round. And, again, the at this point in this particular draft board in current ADP, the Niners, the Bills, the Bears, the uh, Patriots, and the Steelers. Um, and the Ravens have all gone off the board at this point, right? So we're looking at like the seventh, eighth DST off the board in the 12th round. Now we're going to go through 16 total rounds because that's what most standard leagues do. Most of the mock drafts we do, we only do about 11 or 12 for sake of time on the podcast, but we do 16 total rounds on this with a draft board. Now in the 12th round, I am somebody that will reach quote unquote for the DST with the highest upside at this point instead of just settling with like the Colts or the saints or, you know, maybe the Dallas defense in my last pick because of the last one left. I don't want that. The, the, the uh, LA chargers have been one of the most talented defenses for the last two seasons. And they have been absolutely devastated by injury. If they come back and they're actually healthy with some new draft picks and they have Derwin James back, 
they get these guys, Bosa, everybody ready to go. Um, Ingram. I mean, that defensive line is nasty. The, the, the secondary is uh, also stronger. Um, they bring in your boy. Um, uh, Chris Harris. Slot. Thank you. I had Calvin on my mind. Chris Harris uh, comes in now in the slot, which helps even more. Um, obviously, it's a very tough division. But out of that division, they have a, a, a nice kind of juicy schedule for DSD. So I'm going to go with Preston Williams here. But if maybe he was gone and all these other guys were available, I might take a chance on Anthony Miller. Um, maybe Jalen Reger in a deeper league with the Eagles offense because I just don't believe in any of the other weapons there. But I'm probably going to go with Preston Williams in the 12th round. And maybe the DST here for the Chargers because I just think that upside there for them is going to be stellar uh, in the 12th round here. And I want to hit that before we get into that, you know, third, fourth, fifth tier of DSTs. So again, if you play in DST and kicker leagues, you may as well get one of the top options and not just settle because I don't want to fucking stream if I don't have to, man. If I've got a steady defense or a kicker that I can just set it and forget it and move out with waivers once a year, I'm into that for sure. All right, man, let's move into the 13th round. Mike Williams, Mike Kosicki, Antonio Gibson, Denver defense, Justin Tucker, first kicker off the board. Duke Johnson, TJ Hawkinson, Harrison Butker, another kicker, Jimmy G, Golden Tate, Jared Goff, and Carlos Hyde. This one's gross. I don't even know where to go. I, I put Antonio Gibson, and I think this is because the running back room consists of Darius guys. He will get injured. AP, like I get that AP is still running for 1,000 yards, but to me I think it's because they don't have running backs there. Um, so I, I don't know, maybe he's still there. Peyton Barber. Yeah. Uh, JD McKissick. Sure. I mean, Bryce can't even Love. Name. yeah, Bryce Love. Sure. But what it comes down to for me is they wouldn't have taken a guy that primarily plays running back with the running back room they have, if he wasn't going to play, that's the way I kind of think out at it, especially because they have Bryce Love and guys like, I know it's not hopeful to reach for, or to, to put your faith in injury prone running backs at an NFL level. But they would have replaced both those guys by now. If that's the case, they wouldn't have replaced him with Peyton Barber, a team that literally is terrible. Like has not has hasn't had a good season since Robert Griffin was there. So I think Gibson, we're going to kind of see a five to six touch sort of manufactured touches for them per game. Um, I don't know what they're going to do, where it's going to line up, but I think six to seven touches per game in an offense that'll probably be trailing that is explosive. I guess you can say is is worthy of the round thirteen pick. And if AP doesn't play that much, Geis gets hurt. McKissick is really, I think, just a backup plan. And Peyton Barber, I think Gibson's better than Peyton Barber. Maybe you'll have a hopeful uh, flex starter with Antonio Gibson here. But, I mean, in this round, there's not much. Like, I, I thought about going Justin Tucker, but I, I don't really draft defense or kicker. Like, if I'm actually, like, playing in a real league, I won't draft a defense and a kicker, and I'll just pick them up before the, the season starts. So, I guess Gibson, but in reality – probably a guy like Tucker or Butker. Um, I don't know. It's just kind of a gross round, really, in general. Fair enough. I am going to go with my man, Mike Williams. And, again, this just has to do with what I just said. Um, he's posted 1,000 yards in every season. He's been healthy. He's had flirted with double-digit touchdowns pretty much every single year. Um, I understand that Tyrod Taylor is not going to be throwing the ball deep too much when he's in. But I do believe that my man, Justin Herbert, is going to get the opportunity eventually when he does – he will be chucking it, and I am excited about Mike Williams. And, again, dude, I, this value is stupid to me. 13th round for Mike Williams, who we were drafting in, like, the seventh round last year with the upside outside of Keenan Allen and a hurt uh, Hunter Henry. Like, I just don't 
I don't understand the super fade on Mike Williams. He's a huge prototypical number one wide receiver. He's still super young. He hasn't, he's, he's really battled back for some pretty gnarly injuries early in his career, started to heal up. I mean, the guy's a huge red zone weapon. Like I just, I don't see the hate on Mike Williams. So 13th round, that's automatic. I am going to actually pull the trigger on you, man. And I'm going to go with Justin Tucker in the 13th round potentially, or Harrison Butker. If I'm going to do it and I'm playing kickers, I want that top guy. Now, I just did a huge write-up on the Ravens. I'm not going to go into all these stats and everything else, but Justin Tucker is literally the most accurate kicker in NFL history currently. 90.8 field goal make percentage. He's missed three out of 301 extra points. So he has missed only three extra points out of 301 opportunities in his entire career. Now, that includes a couple of seasons recently where they've actually moved it back off the two-yard line. So they're legit field goals that he basically continues to just drill. Now, I actually – I just wrote this article, so I happen to have it pulled up. So I'm going to run through some kicker analysis there for you folks that you, you don't get on – you don't get on everybody else's podcast. So tune into the TCK pod for deep dives on kicker analysis. So Justin Tucker came in the league in 2012 out of Texas – he has averaged the kicker four and a half over his career. And that was basically his average was devastated by a 2014 season where he was kicker 11, but he'd be much better otherwise. Now he is, let's see the kicker six, three, 11, five, two, four, two, and three over his career. So you're getting a top three kicker. Now I get it. Many people are just laughing right now. Why the fuck am I even talking about kickers? The reality is if you play in a league with kickers, you may as well have the best one. Again, instead of randomly just picking fucking Mason Crosby or Kai Forbath or Dan Bailey or some shit in the end of your thing. Because here's the deal. The Ravens are going to score a lot of points. We saw that last year. Now, they scored a shit ton of touchdowns. But if they get stuffed with Lamar Jackson and all those weapons, they're going to make it into field goal range pretty much every single drive. If they score a touchdown, uh, Tucker gets one point for you. If they don't, he almost automatically gets you three points minimum. And if you play – and four and five point bonuses for 40 and 50 yard field goals, you get those as well. And he has one of the best legs long distance in the league as well. So I'm going to actually pull the trigger here in the 13th round. Again, I've got all my running backs. I've got all my wide receivers at this point. I probably have a tight end. I probably have a quarterback. So it's either quarter uh, defense or kicker for me. If I went Chargers defense in the 12th, I go uh, Justin Tucker in the 13th. The next three, four rounds, I can literally just pick super-duper high upside guys, a backup quarterback, a backup tight end, a handcuff, whatever, but I don't have to worry about that. And I have, on paper at least, the, a top defense and a top kicker. So I'm going to take that advantage there. I've been preaching that uh, strategy since I started this podcast. I am happy to get laughed at in my draft room to get a top kicker, to get a top defense, because if I play in a league like that with a onesie position – I want that particular guy. I don't want to just settle later in my draft. So I will go Mike Williams hands down. But if Mike Williams is gone and all these other guys are available, I don't – I'm not going to go Golden Tate. Mike Kosicki, maybe if I don't have a tight end yet, but I'll probably fade him. TJ Hawkins, I just don't believe in yet. Denver defense, no thank you. Um, Antonio Gibson, I hear your claim, but there's just too many mouths there. I don't know what's going to happen. A redraft, Duke Johnson, no thanks. Butker might be my other guy if I don't go uh, Tucker. Jimmy G, I'll pass on that. Jared Goff, I'll pass on that as well, unless I have no quarterback at this point. And Carlos Hyde behind Chris Carson, I just don't think he's going to get enough work. So I'm going to take the uh, top kicker there with Justin Tucker or Harrison Butker, I suppose. All right, man, 14th round. Alshon Jeffrey, John o. Smith, Greg Zerline, Eric Ebron, Minnesota defense, Booger McFarlane Jr., 
Ryan Tannehill, Brashad Perryman, Jack Doyle, A.J. Dillon, Will Lutz, and Hunter Renfro in the 14th round. There's a couple here I think that would not be bad. Um, at this point in the draft, I think if I needed a tight end, I'd probably go Doyle all day. Um, but if I'm just banking on upside plays, I'd probably go A.J. Dillon just based off the fact that he could literally be the starter. We don't know what's going to happen. If I had to put money on it, it's going to be Aaron Jones. But I think Dillon's a very capable back to have as your RB5 or 6. So that's probably where I would aim if I don't need a tight end or a quarterback. Obviously, there's only one quarterback in Tannehill in this spot. But really, at this point in the draft, if you don't have a QB, you can reach on one. It's not going to matter too much. I'll probably say A.J. Dillon um, just because they put high draft capital into him. They've given every reason to get rid of Aaron or to limit Aaron Jones' touches the last couple of years. So that's part of my pick here. And he's been incredibly efficient, man. He's had something like uh, – I don't have it pulled up in front of me, but something ridiculous like 35% of his uh, work last year, his production, Aaron Jones, happened in two games, right? I mean, mm-hmm. that, that worries me for a long time. Now, Aaron Jones, we all know in the fantasy industry, everybody knows that Aaron Jones could be a top eight back if they just bell count him. I mean, he's that talented. He can catch the ball, all this other shit. But Matt LaFleur wants to have multiple running backs. He stunted Henry's growth pretty much until he just didn't have an opportunity to do so anymore. And we saw how Henry has turned loose now. So if Aaron Jones has turned loose, I think A.J. Dillon wouldn't even see the field. But I agree with you. I think A.J. Dillon is already maybe better than Jamal Williams. Uh, so he could get that. He could also get the goal line work. We'll see what happens. Kind of, He's been getting those comps in the, in the uh, draft recaps of, of potentially Derrick Henry volume two here with A.J. Dillon. So I like that call. I am actually going to go with uh, one of these two tight ends in this round, actually. Um, actually, there's three tight ends. Eric Ebron, I'm going to fade just because I don't want to bank on that Steelers offense per se outside of Juju and maybe Connor. Um, but John o. Smith and Jack Doyle, who we talked about Jack Doyle quite a bit and John o. Smith on the previous, uh, uh, let's see, last Thursday's episode would have been the mock draft. And then we talked about the tight ends that week. I know you're very high on Jack Doyle. I'm very high on John Smith. I would be happy with either one of these guys in their opportunity. Um, John Smith clearly, obviously, based on the upside. And Jack Doyle, uh, just again, in that Colts offense and with Phillip Rivers coming in, we know that he fed Antonio Gates into his late 30s in his career. And then Hunter Henry had spurts as well uh, outside of his injuries. So Jack Doyle in the 14th round, John Smith with the upside in the 14th round. If I don't have a tight end yet, I filled every other position. In my opinion, dude, these are like super values for me at the very end of my draft. I would be more than happy with either one of these tight ends. Let's pause really quick and talk about, first of all, if you have James Conner somehow, Anthony McFarlane is another mandatory handcuff. You have to reach for him maybe the like 12th round. I would, I would be getting him. Mm-hmm. Give me your thoughts really quick on Hunter Renfro. The reason I bring him up is I think there's just – a lot of fucking hype for some reason on Hunter Renfro and what he should do out of the slot. But we know that they brought in Brian Edwards. They brought in Henry Ruggs. Um, Derek Carr is Derek Carr, but it's that short area target where I think that people really think that Hunter Renfro is going to have that opportunity. Do you have any excitement at all for Hunter Renfro? I'm not looking for like a deep take on Hunter Renfro by any means, but he's a name that constantly pops up in the circles and he gets drafted late and people are like, Oh, can't believe I found the value. I, I loved him out of Clemson, dude. I know that he basically caught he caught the game-winning touchdown for Clemson over Alabama yeah. in the national championship and built a lot of hype. And look, I'm rooting for the guy. I think he's a great kind of Julian Edelman long-term, uh, Wes Welker, if you will, in the league. I think he's going to have a 12-year career, rack up a lot of stats. I think he's going to be a great player for a long time. But in fantasy football, 
unless it's a deep dive PPR, full PPR league, I just don't understand the hype on Hunter Renfro. Maybe he's worth a steal or, or a, yeah. a pick in the 14th round, but I'd rather go with, with the upside of, of Ruggs um, or even Brian Edwards. Yeah, I it's confusing because I think it's really just a product of lack of weapons that was there. Everyone's like, he, he shut down Darren Waller when he came back. Well, yeah, he, he made him lose some points per game because Darren Waller, if he would have put that up the whole year, he would have been the tight end one last year. Like, And he's just not the tight end one. And I think if they really like the, the rookie receiver that led the league, uh, led the rookies in yards per route run, was efficient as he was, and really is as safe as he was, they wouldn't have drafted two receivers and then a utility in Bowden and – or a utility in Lynn Bowden that plays running back and receiver. Um, if they had a guy like that, that's so safe. So to me, it's just like, I don't know why you would draft him because the priorities of their team are going to go Jacobs, Waller, Ruggs, probably Edwards and Bowden. So I just don't think there's much uh, Jalen Richard still there. I don't know why people would want a guy that, if you're lucky, is going to get you eight points a game, even in the later rounds. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I just I want to get your quick take on that. We haven't talked about him at all on the podcast yet, and so I just want to kind of get your temperature because I'm just personally not, not feeling it. All right, man, two rounds to go here. Let's go with the 15th round. <clears throat> Excuse me. We have Curtis Samuel, Dallas Goddard, Naheem Hines, Alan Lazard, Adrian Peterson, the starting running back for the Redskins week one, week 15, or in round 15. How about that? Boston Scott, Tennessee defense, Damian Harris. Let's not forget about him. Just another one of the five running backs in New England. Brandon Ayuk, my man in San Francisco, rookie receiver there, another Debo Samuel. Blake Jarwin, Chiefs defense, and Kirk Cousins in round 15. Yeah, 15.07, Boston Scott. This is an easy smash for me. Weeks 14 through 16, when Jordan Howard is basically phased out of this offense in the Eagles, uh, Boston Scott was PPR running back 15. Another indicator that Miles Sanders is not a workhorse. Um, they, they might still add someone in terms of Carlos Hyde, but they, they probably will add someone in terms of Carlos Hyde, Devontae Freeman, or Hyde's in Seattle now. Freeman, Shady, I don't know. Name any, any workhorse veteran back. Uh, but the, an article just came out on The Athletic um, basically saying that the Eagles are excited to use Boston Scott in his role that he was used last year. It was not taking away carries from Sanders. It was not being – Sanders it was being Boston Scott which seven to ten rushing attempts per game six to seven targets like they, they basically said like that's going to happen again take a guy like Boston Scott in the what I say 15th round that if he's used like he was last year just toss him into your flex and it's kind of like what James White was when he finished his RB9 it was just very efficient on about 15 to 20 total touches a game that's that might even be too much 10 to 15 total touches per game it was just scoring touchdowns the Eagles are good. The Eagles are really good. People are undervaluing the team in general. They know how to score the ball in the red zone. The coaching staff knows what they do, what they're doing. And if the coaching staff is praising up Boston Scott, I think we should be too. In the 15th round, when he was used the most was RB15 and PPR. Like, I think that's a no-brainer to me. Awesome, man. He's, he's uh, new Darren Sproles. I think you, you hit it on the head there. Um, I'm going to stay away from that. Uh, the, I hear what you're saying. I just – for me, it's Miles Sanders or bust. I just – I am definitely one of those hesitant believers uh, for the Eagles. I'll put it that way. Uh, in the 15th round, though, I'm going to go with Alan Lazard or Blake Jarwin. Um, Dallas Goddard is another guy. So this is kind of an interesting round for me this late. Now you're looking at strictly upside. 
Now, if you have Zach Ertz, if I had Zach Ertz and I'm at this point in my draft, I probably would have had Dallas Goddard already, but he is automatic for me because I have to have Zach Ertz um, handcuff, if you will, on Dallas Goddard. So that's automatic. If I don't, I'll probably pass on Goddard. On the other side with Blake Jarwin, I've, I've gushed all over, you know, Blake Jarwin here on the podcast week over week. I get it. Um, now, again, I just think he will have the opportunity, 124 vacated targets um, overall for that tight end position. I think Blake Jarwin can soak up even 80 of those. He only had 43 last year. If he gets double that, he will be just fine. I think he could even get, you know, 80 to 100 targets, maybe double digit touchdowns like uh, Jason Witten had over the last handful of years. Um, so I think he'll be just fine there. And then I think my actual pick, though, is going to be Alan Lazard. Um, it's just right now, I mean, he's the wide receiver, too, outside of maybe Funchess. And I just think Alan Lazard could beat out Funchess. Also, we have had this narrative for years that Aaron Rodgers has to have the camaraderie with their receiver or they're just not going to get the work. And what Alan Lazard has automatically that, that uh, Funchess doesn't have is the rapport with Alan, uh, Aaron Rodgers. So I think in year two of Alan Lazard getting an opportunity, I think he could move into that secondary position with uh, outside of Devontae Adams. And we've been talking, everybody's talking about they didn't draft a receiver. They didn't draft a receiver. They didn't draft a receiver. Well, maybe as dumb as we think they are, maybe it was a calculated decision with bringing in Funches, who's a huge body, 6'5", um, who actually was quite good with the Panthers, but he got injured. And then you have Alan Lazard as well. So maybe they have the, uh, the secondary receiver there, so they're comfortable with it. So in the 15th round, again, strictly based on upside, taking a shot in the dark, why not? Alan Lazard would be the guy for me. So in the 15th round, I'm going to go with Goddard if I have Ertz, Blake Jarwin if I need a tight end still. But if I've taken care of all those, I'm going to go with uh, Alan Lazard here in the 15th round. Last round, man. Let's get into this here. Robbie Anderson, 16th round. Robbie Anderson, Robbie Gold, Zane Gonzalez, Arizona kicker, Tampa Bay defense, Jake Elliott, Eagles kicker, Rams defense, Eagles defense, Tyrell Williams still with the Raiders, Nikhil Harry with the Patriots. Kind of lost a rookie season last year. Teddy B in Carolina now. Dallas defense, and then Larry Legend to wrap up the 16th round. Yeah, so the 1609, uh, Nikhil Harry, I don't know how he made it down here. Um, <laughs> he had 24 targets last year. Did you expect him to put up 1,000 yards on 24 targets last year because he was banged up at the beginning of the year because he was competing with a bunch of rotational wide receiver threes that Dorsett's now gone. Sanu's, like, actually banged up. Like, I don't know if he's going to be healthy and – he has to compete with, on the outside, Demir Bird, Jacoby Myers. Like, he was a first-round pick. He, he's a good at football. Like, Bill Belichick did not miss on this guy. The really only bad pick I can think Belichick has had is taking Sony Michelle, and I think he only did that to kind of flex on people like Andy Reid did this year because their team was so good going into the next year. Uh, but the hit rates, and we reference, reference them a lot. So since 2010, there's been 32 receivers in round one coming into year two. 13% of them have a top 12 finish of 32. 38% finish as the top 24. And 47% finish as top 36. So slot him into that top 24 to 36 range. And yet again, Tom Brady didn't play bad for – Tom Brady played bad for Edelman. That means he played bad for the other receiver, Nikhil Harry, who played 30 snaps a game. You give him 30 snaps a game, probably up to 40 now. Stidham might like him more than he might like Edelman. Like, I mean, we don't know what the, the – rapport is going to be with the team and in the 16th round like come on like we didn't he didn't even have a chance to get give people 
what they wanted last year. People were just mad because he was the one-on-one in rookie drafts because they were expecting this 2,000-yard season Randy Moss action that they – whatever. It's just, I don't get why he's falling here. I, I get that maybe you don't need a receiver this late in the draft, but, like, if he's my wide receiver four, I'm not going to be mad whatsoever going – obviously, it's not going to be the case in the 16th round, but I just don't see I don't – I don't even know what I think he'll finish with because you don't know what he's going to finish with because we, we haven't seen a full season out of him. And even last year, a full season on that team was not something to be proud of unless you were Julian Edelman, really, because, I mean, so Michelle disappointed, James White disappointed. Damian Harris disappointed because he didn't get on the field. Rex Burkhead disappointed. So I would, this is just purely an upside thing and just capitalize on people's dumb mistakes for him falling to the 16th round. I think that's a great call, man. Nikhil Harry is an easy one for me as well. I will pick somebody else just for sake of argument. At, this isn't my pick, I guess, but if you're still waiting on a kicker, uh, another great option that I think is just falling and falling and falling is uh, Robbie Gold who is the 49ers kicker and the 49ers are constantly getting field goals because, you know, if they, you know, Jimmy G is not going to throw them in. So if they don't run them in <laughs> or a Kittle doesn't beast out for a 60 yard touchdown more than, more than likely as a 49er fan, it's quite frustrating that we have these amazing 70 yard fucking drives and we get to the 17 yard line and stall out. So mm-hmm. Robbie gold is a great kind of, you know, last minute kicker option if you're looking for that. But my actual pick here, and it takes until the 16th round for me to even mention this guy, but it's Robbie Anderson. Um, had a couple hundred yard games down the stretch with Sammy D and uh, with the Jets last year. Of course, he moves over to Carolina now. Um, I don't believe so much in Teddy B. I know there's mixed feelings on that, but I uh, came across this very interesting comparison here um, from a boy at Roto Lounge on Twitter. Find him out. I've been following him recently, and some, he's got some great. Uh, uh, analytics and, and just information on Twitter. So at Roto Lounge, you can check him out. Um, basically, there was a, it was a, a comparison of Robbie Anderson and his connection with multiple layers of the new Panthers offense. So I'm going to read through this really quickly, and just it, it gave me a little more hope than just thinking like Teddy Bridgewater doesn't throw deep, Robbie Anderson only runs deep. That's not going to work. I actually feel a little bit better about it in the 16th round. Why not grab a wide receiver six with the upside he's got? So this convinced me a little bit more. Robbie Anderson played under Matt Rule at Temple in college. So in college, Robbie Anderson played under his now head coach with Carolina. That's a plus. Robbie Anderson played with Teddy Bridgewater in their time with the Jets. So Teddy Bridgewater has a season with the Jets. That was also with Robbie Anderson. You like that because now, obviously, Teddy B, his new quarterback. If Teddy B goes down, they just signed P.J. Walker from the, uh, the kind of the AAF, XFL experiment situation. P.J. Walker played as Robbie Anderson's quarterback at Temple under Matt Rule. So all these guys are connected now. And again, I think that when a free agent moves over in the offseason, that is a great opportunity for you to take advantage of like, look, do they have prior connections? Do they know anybody in the system? Do they do the teammates have they played together in college or did they play together in the in the pros elsewhere? Is there already that camaraderie? Again, in a, in a specialized off season like it is right now, you need to have those prior connections so people already have the language, they have the rapport, they have the friendship, they trust each other. All that shit matters so much at the NFL level, especially with the weird off season now. So I'm not excited about Robbie Henderson, 
but it gave me a little bit more excitement if you miss on DJ Moore and you're looking for a deep flyer on – I mean, let's not forget, Matt Rule at Baylor had one of the most prolific offenses year in and year out. They were just fucking chucking the shit out of the ball. So if it's not going to be CMC and it's not going to be um, DJ Moore, I do like uh, Ian Thomas quite a bit, but Robbie Anderson should get a couple play-action bombs a game. And if he connects on one or two of those, it could be 40, 50 yard in chunks and he could break away for an 80 yard touchdown at any given time. So again, best ball, I think this is a great pick late in your drafts. And if you're in um, non PPR leagues uh, in the standard league, I think Robbie Anderson is a very sneaky wide receiver here in the 16th round. So Robbie gold, if you're looking for a kicker, I totally agree with you with Nikhil Harry, who I just think is going to really surprise people this year, getting a, a legit opportunity. And of course, Robbie Anderson, as well all right man that wraps up the nine through 16 rounds last episode yesterday we did one through eight so you can double back and check out our favorite picks from those rounds but uh lucas can you please recap for us rounds nine through 16 who would your ideal picks be per round yep i actually just clicked out of it so it's philip Lindsay, latavius murray uh insert 11th round pick because i don't remember zach who moss. it was zach, zach moss, moss. Twelfth uh, was Preston Williams. I think I accidentally closed out of it. So I'm not for sure. Yeah, um, I got you. Thirteenth. Oh, it was the the kicker, maybe. No, it, I I got you. I got you. I got you. Let's go through this here. So the ninth round um, was uh, yeah Philip Lindsay. In the tenth round, you went with uh, Latavius Murray. In the eleventh round, Zach Moss. Twelfth round, uh, Preston Williams. Thirteenth round was Antonio Gibson. Fourteenth uh, round was AJ Dillon. 15th round, Boston, was, Scott. Boston Scott, good call. And then in the 16th round, Nikhil Harry. I went with uh, my picks in the 9-16. It was Marvin Jones, Latavius Murray as well in the 10th round, Michael Pittman Jr. for the Colts, rookie in the 11th, Preston Williams as well in the 12th, but I also gave a nod to the Chargers defense if I'm going to reach a little bit for the upside there. 13th round, my boy Mike Williams, who's just been absolutely embarrassed in the 13th round. I can't believe that. Um, I'll pick him in the 10th. Uh, and I also give a nod to Justin Tucker, uh, the kicker. If you're going to play in kicker leagues, might as well get the best. I like Justin Tucker there for the Ravens. In the 14th round, one of two tight ends, which was Jonu Smith and or Jack Doyle. If I had to pick one, I'd probably go with Jonu Smith with the upside there. 15th round, I went with Alan Lazard with the alternate of Blake Jarwin or Dallas Goddard if I still needed to touch uh, tight end or I had Zach Ertz. And in the 16th round, um, Nikhil Harry for sure. But Robbie Gold, if I still need the kicker, and my pick would be Robbie Anderson. All right, man, that was fun. On the next episode, we're going to jump into rounds one through eight in the player we're least excited about in those particular rounds. So we're going to flip the script, and we're actually going to say, like, a player we don't deserve to be in that round or the opportunity is not there or, you know, for one reason or another, we're fading that particular player in their current ADP round. We'll go through one through eight, and then we'll follow it up next Tuesday uh, with 9 through 16 as well. Before we get out of here, man, please, again, Lucas, preview the draft guide coming out on the 16th, uh, or excuse me, the July 6th. Um, people should be able to find the uh, Google spreadsheet at, at this point, the Google Doc to sign up. Um, that is now available for folks. So please let them know what exactly that means. Yep, so on the link that will be on Instagram, Twitter, at the bottom of the screen, on the, the comments for the podcast and YouTube, Google form link, basically you could click on it and then read it and then select the tier package you want. Um, you fill it out, put in your email, it'll send it to us. Then I will reach out to you 
your email or Twitter, whatever we put on there, it's easier for you asking what type of payment. Um, not for sure if we're going to collect payments right away or not. We'll figure that out. Um, we're not going to give you access if you pre-order now right away because it's not ready yet, obviously. So we're just going to July get that 6th. On yeah, July 6th is when you will get access to it. Um, and then you'll have access from July 6th until, uh, as of now, I'll say July 5th next year, whenever the day before the new one comes out or something like that. So basically just fill it out to get your name on the list. Um, and then we will reach out to you and figure out all the information about payment, blah, blah, blah. So the link uh, will be down below Instagram, Twitter, I don't know where else, Facebook, all that stuff. You got it, man. Right on. And for all you TCK pod, listen to league um, folks who are excited to be in our leagues. We have decided we are going to do multiple leagues this year, but please hold tight. Lucas and I are, are uh, really deep into the production of the draft guide. So we got to wrap that up for the next three weeks. Reminder, we are looking for two contributors. If you would like to write for us, handle some articles, break down some spreadsheets, bring something to the team, to the podcast, and be a part of the TC Kibod family to help us wrap up this draft guide in the next three weeks, please do reach out to us. Um, you can DM us anywhere, shoot us an email, whatever you'd like to do. And, and uh, you know, just send us something that you've done previously or, you know, write us a quick bio of why you think you would contribute to the team. We only have two spots available, uh, so we will be choosing the two best candidates we feel, but um, please let us know. If you are chosen, uh, chosen you will get um, full access to the entire draft guide, of course, for your contributions, and it would also lock you up an opportunity to be in the TCK Pod Listener League if you so choose to participate. So please reach out ASAP about those opportunities. All right, please leave a rate and review on the podcast if you're listening. Drop a subscribe, share, please, and a comment on how you feel about these different round picks here on YouTube. Also, please follow us on Instagram at fantasyfootball underscore TCK pod and on Twitter at TCK underscore pod. Join our Facebook group at the Kansas City Kids Fantasy Football Podcast page. And please reach out if you're interested in any of the uh, draft guide information or if you want to be a contributor and hold tight if you're into the TCK pod, listen to the league and we'll get back to you ASAP. This has been another episode of the Kansas City Kids Fantasy Football Podcast page. If you are tuning in next week, we are going to have more information about the draft guide and everything else and the TCK pod listener league. So hold tight to that. And we will be driving into our least favorite picks on the next episode and as well as Tuesday. So stay tuned, share with a friend, share with the family, make sure to give us a follow rate and subscribe anywhere you can. For Lucas Kaser, I'm Scott Guasco, and we are out of here. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.